It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're talking New Orleans Saints today on Peacock and Williamson. We have the four most expert with us. Is Derek Carr good enough? Is he the key just to take down the South with Ross Jackson on today's Peacock and Williamson? NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Ross Jackson with Matt Williamson on vacation. Got Ross uh, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Shout out to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you're subscribed up on the new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel and everywhere you get your podcasts. Before we start, Ross, I do want to let the listeners know uh, and we've talked about this before when you joined us on Peacock and Williamson, how important you are to the network. And let me, and I want to let you know personally how much I appreciate all the help you do. And he does so much, not only just hosting uh, Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL, but all the work he does behind the scenes for the network. Ross Jackson, integral to what everybody does network-wide here. So uh, big ups to Ross Jackson. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, well, good to see you, man. Um, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, so Derek Carr, we, we've seen Derek Carr. We've seen Derek Carr with his current head coach. We haven't seen Derek Carr yet in New Orleans with the Saints. And this is a winnable division, I think, uh, putting it fairly, uh, considering what's going on inside the division. So uh, I, I want to go to Derek Carr specifically in a second. But first, big picture is Derek Carr the right move? Is, is this a team that with all the salary cap stuff, which we're going to get to in a second too, if it even matters, and where this team is post-Drew Brees, I thought the signs were there post-Drew Brees. We go, okay, a little, little teardown, maybe not a full 100% rebuild because that's a you know that's a long-term thing that doesn't always work out great anyway. But maybe a soft rebuild. Is this a soft rebuild? What's going on with the New Orleans Saints? And should they be more in rebuild mode than they are right now? Yeah, look, I, I think that the New Orleans Saints have been in a little bit of maybe a mild rebuild over the course of the past three seasons. It's just not a rebuild the way that we're used to seeing it. I mean, we have to kind of go back to 2020, the, the COVID season where everybody kind of got messed up with the salary cap and all this other stuff. The Saints roster in the middle of the roster got gutted. They maintained a bunch of their you know starters and top-level players and all that, Drew Brees' uh, you know, final season that year. And so there was a lot that they lost, though, in the middle of their roster. And one of the things that made them so special 2017, 18, 19 was their depth. They could be down to, you know, two starting offensive linemen with three backups in. But those three backups were, were good enough that they were able to still win games. They were still able to protect the quarterback and Drew Brees and the style of offense that they had. Over the course of the past two seasons, 2021 and 2022, we've watched them start to rebuild that depth. 
but we've watched them rebuild. Cause I think anytime that you're a franchise that's looking for a quarterback, you're rebuilding period like that. To me, that's the criteria. That's all that you have to meet. And so for the saints, they took a shot with Jameis Winston injured two years in a row. They saw Trevor Simeon. They saw Taysom Hill. They saw Ian book for a game. They saw Andy Dalton for the majority of last season. And so they've gone through all of this stuff to try to figure out their quarterback position. And Derek Carr, that's the guy that the Saints wanted. That's the guy that they identified before the offseason and said, this is the, or at the offseason as it, as it opened up, uh, this is the guy that we want to go and get. So they went after him, they got him, they brought him in. And now you've seen them not only do that, but they've rebuilt some of their depth. Uh, they've maintained some of their star players. You know, They're bringing back Michael Thomas for another year. They have a young core of really talented players like Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid. Now they add Kendra Miller and others in their rookie class this year. I think the Saints have gone through a little bit more of a rebuild than people would like to acknowledge over the course of the past three years, mainly based on the fact that it doesn't look like the big rebuilds of, you know, teams past where you see them completely overhaul everything over a single offseason. Everything, even the coaching staff was overhauled this offseason. So I do think the Saints have done a little bit of both. They wanted to make sure that they were competitive in an NFC South that's absolutely winnable, especially after the retirement of Tom Brady. But also, they've done a good job rebuilding over the course of the past couple of years. So do you think it was the right way to go? Because they could enter that Kirk Cousins-y Minnesota <laughs> Vikings purgatory zone, right? Where you're not good enough to really seriously be contending, even if you're in the playoff mix, you're not for a Super Bowl. You're not bad enough to get that top, top talent at quarterback mm -hmm. unless you're trading way up. And, and we've seen the Saints willing to do a lot of trades and move around in a yeah. lot of different directions when it comes to the NFL draft. So is Derek Carr good enough? You know, winning the South versus winning the Super Bowl is a very different answer. Does Is Derek Carr, do you think, that good? Or are we talking about a uh, a purgatory team now in New Orleans potentially? I think Derek Carr and a top five defense, if the Saints can maintain their defensive production over the course of the past couple that we've seen over the course of the past couple of years, can be enough for them to compete for a deep playoff run. Winning the NFC South has to be the first priority. You win your division, you get to the playoffs, you're a top four seed. And they'd probably be, I mean, look, there's a good chance that they're the bottom of the division winners, right? That they're the number four seed, but that's okay. That's better than they have been able to be over the course of the past couple of years. And if they want that top talent, as we've seen over and over again, they will not hold any punches. They will pull out all the stops to make sure that they go and get that top talent in the draft. It might not be a quarterback, but if they feel that they're, you know, another wide receiver away. Let's say Michael Thomas gets injured again here in 2023, or maybe they feel that they need to get ahead of replacing guys like Cam Jordan or Demario Davis. They can move into the spots to get that done. So they have the ammunition that they need to be able to still go up there and get top talent while also competing here in 2023. So I do think it was the right move, especially considering the situation that they've already placed themselves in. We'll get to the salary cap here in a little while, but there are some things that they've done that kind of signify that, well, either you pull the plug and you completely rebuild everything or you keep building on top of what you have and building on top of what you have is what's going to keep them in contention right now, especially within a winnable NFC South. So I do think that this was the right decision by the new Orleans saints. Will it end up yielding the right results? That's what we have to wait and see. Are we actually going to see a heavy dose of Michael Thomas? I mean, Chris Olave was awesome last year. And by the way, was he snubbed for rookie of the year because uh, he was fantastic <laughs> and his old ex teammate kind of took his thunder away from him and Garrett Wilson. 
Yeah, I really liked Chris Olave for Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. But to be fair, he did miss a couple of games with injury. And I think that those things, as well as some ball security issues, probably played in. He had a couple of critical fumbles during the season downfield after some big completions and things like that. So I get it when it comes to Garrett Wilson winning the uh, the award. But I would, of course, advocate for Chris Olave. If there was like a, a second-year award or something like that to win that Offensive Second-Year Player uh, of the Year award. And he'll be in line for it. He and Derek Carr have built a ton of communication. They've built a ton of trust over the course of OTAs and mini camps. First day of OTAs, we're standing out there, and Derek Carr just lofts up a pass for him. Uh, and uh, you know, Chris Olave said the one thing he wanted to be able to do this offseason was bulk up. So he's up from 187 to 192 in terms of pounds. He wants to get to 195 to maintain his speed. Uh, but he wants to be better in contested catch situations. Caught only 33% of his contested catch opportunities last year, according to Pro Football Focus. This year, during at least OTAs and minicamps, he's caught 100% of the contested catch opportunities that he's gotten against guys like Marcus May, Alante Taylor, uh, and, and Tyron Matthew and others. So I, I think that... Chris Olave will cut into the 149 catch version of Michael Thomas, but that's okay. You don't need that version of Michael Thomas and you can't bet on or bank on that version of Michael Thomas. So I do think that you're going to see a heavy dose of Michael Thomas throughout the season. As long as he's healthy, we saw that last year at the beginning of this, uh, at the beginning of the year uh, in particular, when he was healthy, that he can still be that dominant presence, particularly in the red zone and in contested catch situations. So they want to take advantage of that because after Michael Thomas was hurt, they couldn't win those contested catch situations and they were terrible in the red zone. And so you have to be able to see Mike or you, you I wouldn't be surprised to see Michael Thomas uh, continue to be utilized in those situations. And maybe finally, if he stays healthy long enough, finally get into that double digit touchdown receptions uh, place because he has not done that yet so far in his career. Need me a little more sl slant boy. I mean, come on. It's been it's been a while. I've been, been waiting for him to be back on the field. And he's fun when he's yeah, he's fun to watch, man. Hey, don't sleep on rookie AT Perry. I think one of the steals oh, of the draft for the Saints. I loved him in the sixth round. I mean, that was fantastic. I don't know how he fell that far. And talking about the uh, the red zone, he can go get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a big bodied guy, six foot three, six foot four, 200 pounds. Uh, he can leap. He's got great athleticism. He was one of my favorite wide receivers in, in this year's draft. And we were just watching him tumble and tumble down the board. So we got to talk to him on Zoom after the after he was drafted. And he said that there were some character like he came out and said, yeah, I don't know. I heard that there were some character concerns or something. And that's the reason why I fell. <laughs> the character got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your players talk about their own character. Very right. It was so it was so like, scout. Yeah, and it tells you everything you need to know about what about whether or not those character concerns are valid because he was just kind of like, I don't know, it just confused me, honestly. So, uh, But yeah, he tweeted out immediately, Saints, you won't regret this. So I'm super excited to see. Uh, I think there was some early like showing up late to team meeting stuff when he was early, early on in his career, young, young, young at Wake Forest. So wow. the Saints are not worried about that at all. They're very excited to have him here in New Orleans. Wow, college coaches doing their kids bad, bringing up stuff wow. that was like that's still under their skin three, and four years later. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, more with Ross Jackson coming up. I want to talk about some salary cap manipulation. If that defense can be that top five unit that they need to be uh, in New Orleans next. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. You want to look good, right? But you want to feel good as well. And that's where Bird Dogs shines. Bird Dogs has that, stretch khaki shorts uh, that are designed to slit to fit a little bit slimmer through the thigh. That's the look, right? You want that sculpted look. You, you want to look like you, you you've had leg days and you're not skipping leg days and uh, give you that, that slimmer look throughout the leg and the thigh uh, giving you a truly sculpted look bird dog shorts do that exact 
thing and think of the best looking shorts out there and then think of the best feeling shorts. And that's what Bird Dogs gives you because they are so versatile. They are uh, fitting way better than those shorts that are made of the stiff, restrictive cotton, right? Bird Dogs fixed all those problems. They invented their own cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches in all the directions you need to fits way slimmer without having to sacrifice movement. So you could be comfortable all day, say doing a podcast. And then look, it's Friday. And Ross, I don't know if you're wearing your bird dogs right now. I love my bird dogs. When Always. And then I could jump out of the seat because you know, the, the, the joke is when you're podcasting, you can wear no pants at all. Right. And That's some right. people, <laughs> wear, like, you know, like the roll in the sweatpants just to be comfortable, but you can be comfortable in your bird dogs. And then it's Friday. So I can go party mode, right. As soon as I walk out of here and I'm done with my podcasting, for the day and so versatile you can take them to the gym you can take them to the barbecue love my bird dogs love my long pants i'd love to go golfing in those as well and they look good in uh, those professional environments as well anti-stink sweat wicking fabric by the way that keeps you cool and dry all day long if you have that pool party in the summer months so go to birddogs.com slash locked on nfl for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's talk defense. Uh, Cam Jordan is not young, but he's still playing at such a high level. Dude's drafted in 2011. I mean, I, it makes me feel really old because I totally remember, you know, Cal version of Cameron Jordan. I was like, right. Jordan Cameron, Cameron Jordan, like getting those two guys confused for a while. Uh, and <laughs> Jordan Cameron was the good one. And he was the, the defensive end. And the, the other guy was the tight end. Um, still sometimes get those guys confused name wise. But no, uh, Cameron Jordan's been such a fantastic player. They've really been trying to filter in tons of draft picks and tons of player players on the D line, though, to help him out in recent history is there going to be that guy and is that the key to unlock the defensive side of the ball because they've got names on the the second level the third level on that new orleans saints defense what about that secondary or you know tertiary pass rushers yep. on that saints defensive line to help them get to there with with a, with the defensive side of the the ball that you laid out for the success that this team needs to have yeah, that's one of the huge questions going into uh, this year's training camp, uh, which will open up at the end of July. Who is going to be the primary pass rusher opposite Cam Jordan? Now, the one thing that we know about the New Orleans Saints defensive line is that they rotate like a hockey team. You'll watch four of them run off the field and four new guys run back on the field and they rotate like crazy all throughout. And so you've watched Cam Jordan play around 75% of snaps, some of his lowest in his career over the course of the past couple of years. And you look at the guys that are the options opposite him. Uh, there's defensive end who was an undrafted free agent from a few years ago coming out of Wyoming, uh, Carl Granderson. He effectively ran Marcus Davenport first round pick a couple of years ago, back in 2018, out of town. I mean, Carl Granderson was taking uh, starts from him, taking snaps from him, all of that. And now, you know, Marcus Davenport's playing with the Minnesota Vikings all of a sudden. And so you have to, you know, keep an eye out on Carl Granderson for sure. Uh, Will the Saints see the development from 2020 first round selection 
uh, or excuse me, 2021 first round selection, Peyton Turner, because they, they drafted him, but he has had so much trouble staying healthy, staying in shape, things like that, that he hasn't been able to really be out on the field. But when he's out there, he's been remarkably productive. They bring back Tano Passanio on a really cheap deal, and he's got great trajectory so far. And now you've drafted uh, Isaiah Foskey, the, uh, the sack leader in terms of career sacks at Notre Dame. And that's a history franchise to be the guy in 2023 that is the sack leader, you know, in career, career wise. And so now they have these four great options that can A, rotate opposite Cam Jordan, but also B, rotate in place of Cam Jordan. And I think where the Saints need to get better is with their pass rush. Their pass rush has started off slow over the course of the past couple of years. Uh, they've managed to get 40 sacks within 16 games in every season since 2017. And a big reason why was Ryan Nielsen, who was their defensive line coach. Well, now he's the defensive coordinator across the division with the Atlanta Falcons. Todd Grantham has come in from the college ranks to be the defensive line coach. And so Todd Grantham is coming in with two goals to make the defensive line more of an attacking defensive line. Hence the investment in that, uh, in that position group during the draft, Brian Brzee out of Clemson, the defensive tackle in the first uh, round. And then Isaiah Foskey, who we just mentioned the edge rusher out of Notre Dame in the second round. And, then the other piece is to get better against mobile quarterbacks as the Saints have kind of struggled against that. So they want to be able to get pressure with their front four and kind of get back to those days. If they can do that, then the rest of it falls into place. The Saints were franchise record low in terms of turnovers forced last year. They only had, I think it was seven interceptions last year, and a couple of players had multiple interceptions in order to get them there, including Tyron Matthew. So they struggled there. But if the pass rush can be there, sort of that symbiotic relationship between the pass rush and the secondary, you should see those turnovers start to come through too. So it's a big question. Uh, um, in terms of who is going to be the guy, and we're not going to know until training camp gets started, but it's a massive need for the New Orleans Saints to have that secondary edge rusher that's going to be able to generate that pressure against opposing quarterbacks. One of the things that happens when you cover the New Orleans Saints every day like Ross does is you become a salary cap guru. And <laughs> the Saints, it's, it's phenomenal the way they manipulate the salary cap. And it's almost like they they want to mess with analysts who aren't great with the salary cap. And they look at the number and say, $100 million over the cap. What, is this team going to have to fold this offseason? And they're like, uh, no, wait, watch this. So <laughs> over the cap next year are the Saints right now. And can you take us through some of the, the things and some of the reasons why the Saints operate this way? And do you think they're in a mode right now in their sort of soft rebuilding to kind of get away from that? A little bit. Yeah, for sure. So they're set to be just $77 million over the cap next year. Not light work, light work for them. Uh, <laughs> this is a team that just, what, two, three years ago was $110 million over the salary cap. Ended up working their way down there. Uh, they were about 50 to $60 million over the salary cap this year. And yet they have been one of the top spending teams, top five, top six spending teams in the NFL uh, in terms of not only uh, first year money, but also uh, life of contract money and guaranteed money as well. They're, they're up near the top in all of those metrics in terms of spending over the course of this offseason. So they're, they're going to be fine. I mean, Alvin Kamara himself counts like $18, $20 million against the salary cap next year. We'll see what happens with Alvin Kamara. If nothing else, they'll restructure that deal and move forward. But they drafted Kendra Miller, the running back out of TCU in this year's draft. Kendra Miller has been open about how much he respects Alvin Kamara, but he's coming for his job. And so, you know, there's going to be competition at running back. And they added Jamal Williams, the uh, rushing touchdowns leader from the Detroit Lions last year to that roster. So Saints have a lot of, options and a lot of sort of uh let's say freedom at that running back spot to see how they want to handle things and so you have that you've got you know uh, a huge cap hit for Derek Carr that will absolutely be uh restructured and pushed down the road as well as several other players that that carry those 
And so the Saints have built in mechanisms into contracts to where you get a first year low spending, but then things escalate over the life of the contract. And so what they've done with those is that they've kind of found a couple different ways to manage it. First of which, instead of giving somebody a signing bonus or a uh, or a base salary, which the base salary would count against the team salary cap right away, the signing bonus would be spread out over the course of the life of the contract in equal parts up to five years maximum. So instead of doing either one of those, what they've started doing is giving players roster bonuses. And so they'll give players like Marshawn Lattimore and uh, Ryan Ramchek and Demario Davis and Tyron Matthew, all guys that they know are going to be on the roster in a year, roster bonuses in their second or third years of their contract. So that it's guaranteed money that's already being accounted for for that year's salary cap, but then they can restructure and kick down the road at a later time, which doesn't have a huge impact on them because it's guaranteed money one way or another. It's just about when they want the accounting to actually hit. So they'll swipe their credit card and say, okay, well, we'll take four years of a payment plan on, on this one, you know? And so those are some of the mechanisms that they use. Restructuring, of course, is a big one to where they'll take a, you know, let's call it a, let's for the sake of the simplification, call it an $11 million contract. Let's say that there's, uh, you know, that the base minimum salary is $1 million. So what they'll do is that they'll take that $10 million and then flip it into or restructure it into a signing bonus and then spread that out over the course of five years so that it's $2 million per year. So what they what that means is that they go from paying a player or being on the books for a player at $11 million in 2023 to $2 million, which is part of that pro rate, and then the $1 million that's left. So it's a $3 million deal, and it's a $7 million savings. So they'll do all these kind of like little tricks and mechanisms to spread things out, push things down the road. And then to the, to the latter half of your question in terms of like, are they in place to continue to start to choose or to begin to choose some of this away? They actually are, interestingly enough. This is a team that, as I mentioned, was well over the salary cap this year, did a lot of things to you know, bring in new players and bring in a lot of talent, shore up their depth. They got their new quarterback, but they still have about $14 million of available salary cap space at the time that we're speaking right now, Brian. And so what that means is that they can carry that into 2022 or 2023 or some portion of that into 2023. And whatever they don't spend by the end of the year rolls over into next year. So that will start to chip away a little bit at some of that and five, $6 million rolling over into next year makes a big difference for you in terms of what other mechanisms you have to take advantage of in order to do that. So I would look for the saints to continue their restructure habit and continue to do what they've been doing, but start carrying some money over a year after year to start to chip away a little bit at what it is that they're doing. And then if everything falls apart with Derek Carr and this doesn't work out over the course of the three years of this contract, then maybe you see them finally bite the bullet. And in that case, if they did that, it might become a different general manager's problem to fix it from that point forward, right. which is a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, that becomes you're rolling over cash for a new GM, new head coach, new quarterback, right. and then a new day in New Orleans. Oh, fantastic stuff there from... Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints. You can find him on Locked On NFL, doing everything behind the scenes to make sure this network runs smoothly. Uh, love you, Ross. Appreciate you, Ross. And, and thanks for jumping on the show with me today here. And, and talk a little Saints and and uh, explain the salary cap to us lay people that just <laughs> their, our heads spin every offseason. We're like, what is going on with this team? It's fantastic stuff. 
Appreciate you, buddy. Love you as well. Can't wait to be back with you. And, you know, look, you opened up and gave me such a nice compliment. So let me say this guy right here, this is like the top host here on the NFL show. Don't tell Peter I said that. He's going to be really upset. But we all know the truth when it comes to 49ers versus the Packers and what, what the rivalry is here. We know how it goes. But, man, fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure, dude. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Ross. Uh, talk to you soon. See you, bud. Next. Running back questions in the hopper here from, from the uh, Peacock and Williamson mailbag. And another question about the overriding history of the game and records will come down with an extra game being played every season. You play 10 years, you play 17 years, you play 16 years, you get a full extra season of regular season stats on your career that, uh, that a player in the past did not get. So let's talk records, let's talk history, let's talk future, let's talk running backs next uh, from the Peacock and Williamson mailbag. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I do want to thank everybody once again for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We appreciate all the everydayers. Make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. And, and check out the rest of what the network has to offer because your team is covered daily. I host Locked On 49ers. Ross, the host of Locked On Saints. Make sure you check out your team, your favorite team's podcasts. No matter the sport, football, baseball, basketball, college, we got you covered on the Locked On Podcast Network. Going to the mailbag here and uh, a couple of interesting questions. I want to start with the running back side of things. And this is from Crime Dog on Twitter. He says, Hall of Fame running back Chad a couple of weeks ago. Does Hall of Fame need to induct running backs who are the best of their era, even if the era wasn't necessarily good? See the 70s wide receivers versus now uh, guys like Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry are today's best, but not the berries or the Francos of leagues past. Um, thanks for the question, crime dog. And it is a great question. And absolutely. That's what the hall of fame should be about. Like you're measuring the players against their peers. And it's easier for, it's easier to go one way. Like your, your example of the seventies wide receivers, well, they weren't as prolific. Then. It was a different game. And those, players the 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 position was growing so it was going in the other direction so you know when when you're inducted inducting a hall of famer from the 70s and looking at his career numbers it still looked good historically and you were measuring him against their peers but with running backs what's going to be happening is you're looking at career numbers and it's going to go the other way and the biggest factor with hall of fame voting is is meeting the criteria and and some of these old school voters are going to look at the numbers and they're going to say well how can we induct derrick henry into the hall of fame when he is the 47th all-time rusher right uh and so it's going to be a little bit more difficult and when you talk about someone like christian mccaffrey a lot of his value is in the in the passing game in the receiving game and we've already seen comps for what christian mccaffrey's career numbers could end up looking like with the original 1,000, 1,000 running back in the NFL and Roger Craig, who was an awesome player, not in the Hall of Fame because his total rushing yards and statistics didn't quite match up. And while he had rings and was an integral part of uh, 49ers Super Bowl teams and was the first 1,000-yard rusher and receiver in the same season, 
uh, it, 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 the numbers just still don't stack up. And Christian McCaffrey's best comp at the end of his career might be someone like Roger Craig. I think his numbers might end up a little bit better. And I think versus his peers, it will look a lot better. So I think it might take some adjustment. And I think it's going to take younger voters potentially that are that are more a part of the era, that went through the era, that realize, okay, we've got to just vote this guy in because of how he played versus his peers only. And that's the way it should always work. But it's going to be a little bit more difficult for running backs because, I mean, Frank Gore just retired two years ago and he's top three rusher all time. So you you're, you're going to have to compare some of those guys. And some of these running backs are probably going to have to play into their thirties. And with the way things are going and guys hit 27 and they're just done and teams are treating them like they got the plague. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. It is. And it's not the end of hall of fame running backs, but the voting is going to get a little weird. And I think there's going to be a, a correction and a lull. And then when we're going to, you know, a decade from now, we're going to look and be like, hey, there's no Hall of Fame running backs anymore. We got to, we got to kind of look at this criteria a little bit differently. And, and I think that's what's going to end up happening. So uh, it's, it, they're going to have to just play a little bit of catch up with the voting, which happens a lot with the Hall of Fame voting anyway. And, you know, any kind of accolades when it comes to sports is always behind a year or two or a decade anyway. So we'll see what that ends up looking like. But it's not the end. But guys like McCaffrey, guys like Derrick Henry, they've got to put a lot more seasons together. They got to play into their 30s at a high level just to have numbers that that somewhat stack up historically to the guys who are already in the Hall of Fame. Um and then obviously it's going to take voters realizing you know what they did versus their peers during their careers. Quick question here from if I can pull it up because now I lost it uh, about season records that, that could be falling. It's a good question. And this one is from explosivo. He said, given the 17 game regular season, which single season NFL records do you think have the best chance of being broken? And conversely, which single season records do you think will have the most difficult to break? Well, we only have to go to uh, running backs to, <laughs> to, to do that. And so like what we just talked about those running back records, I, even with the extra game, I just don't think they're going to fall because there are so many committees. Teams are too cognizant of giving their running back. I mean, their running backs getting 350 carries a year back in the day. Like that's just not going to happen anymore. So there's more than a game worth of carries that are, that are taken away, even from the most bell cow backs in the NFL now. So, uh, you know, career rushing and single season rushing is definitely going to come down. I think running back receiving though is going to continue, continue to grow. So that might be where things are made up. Um, but yeah, like single season sack records, because you can get four sacks in a game, which is a huge chunk, right? And so I think things like season, single season sacks, uh, you know, single season tackles, those accumulating numbers. Um, it, receiving is tough. Like career-wise, I don't know. Jerry Rice has some numbers that are just out there, but single season stuff could fall. Like when you have a quarterback like, Kirk Cousins, who's a really good quarterback, and he's not afraid to, to throw it to one guy. And when you have a clear number one guy like Justin Jefferson who can win at every level, could Justin Jefferson go break the, the, the season-long record for receiving yards, stays healthy, gets that extra game of receiving yards? I think I'd put that one out there. While it's harder for running backs, getting a little easier for wide receivers and, and more comfortable for quarterbacks in the pocket as well. So I'm going to go single-season receiving is is the one that is the most likely to be broken and, and who knows maybe numerous times over the course of the next few years with some of the stud young running backs we have in the nfl 
All right, fantastic stuff. Thanks, everybody, for the questions that you bring every single week. Thanks for sticking with me here solo to end the week with Matt Williamson on vacation. He will be back Monday, and we'll be back at it with you right here on Peacock and Williamson. Could Keep bringing in those mailbag questions at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. Thanks to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Matt and I back next time right here, Peacock and Williamson. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.